Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NFL Week 9 Fantasy Flex on the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. Here with me is Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. Chris, I noticed that you, this past week, were number two in fantasy rankings at Fantasy Pros. I believe I was number six. Corner, what is wrong with you? Why are you <laughs> failing so so abysmally yeah. in the rankings? I love how I set the bar a little high so I can only disappoint. But, you know, congrats to you guys. You guys uh, deserve it. I don't have to say. I, I need to dive in and see what I didn't do right. But um, <laughs> it was more just a good week by you guys. All right. Well, speaking of a guy who is known to have plenty of good weeks, uh, we are joined by a friend of the show and supposed Friedman vocal doppelganger, Mike <laughs> Taglier. Uh, he's a lead NFL writer and analyst for Fantasy Pros, co-host of the Fantasy Pros football podcast, and two-time top six in-season fantasy pros ranker mike how's it going it's good man i feel like we need a buffer in between you and i uh with how many people have said that you know we sound alike it's weird you know like whenever we do a podcast together people say that so i'm like waiting for sean or chris to hop in between us so that at least people can distinguish a difference in the voice i don't hear the difference i don't know i know we both have deep voices but i don't hear it what's the white receiver on the patriots thing it's, it's, messed <laughs> up. it's fucked up it's fucked up it's not true okay guys <laughs> One is Wes Welker, the other is Julian Edelman. It's totally different. <laughs> okay. Well, in this episode, uh, <laughs> we're we going to try to dispel all of the vocal similarity myths. Uh, and on top of that, we're going to break down the players at the top of our rankings, which, by the way, are available at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. We're discussing the guys we're high and low on. We're speculating on some props. And at the end of the show, we're answering your Twitter fantasy questions. We got a lot of questions on Twitter. We probably will not get to all of them, so sorry about that. But uh, keep on sending us questions and we will try to get to them. Mike, what caught your eye from week eight? Uh, the Tevin Coleman is going to continue to be like the guy in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And he's kind of like showing the, the purpose that he went out and got him. It's, it's weird, right? Because like he was a guy in Atlanta, whenever he got a bigger workload, it seemed like he struggled with it. But now he's kind of walked into that workload with the 49ers and he looks a lot better. Uh, and that's despite the fact that they're missing both their starting tackles, you know, left tackle and right tackle. Um, this defense is obviously playing lights out. They're going to continue to do so. Matt Breida is fragile. Uh, I mean, but he's willing to trust him with 20 touches. So Tevin Coleman is a guy that I continue to move up uh, my rankings as we go on. And I mean, he's a borderline RB1 at this point. Yeah. And the 49ers also missing Pro Bowl fullback Kyle Juszczyk or Juicy yeah. as everyone should call him. And it's amazing that they're still able to uh, to do what they're doing. Uh, speaks to the inventiveness of Kyle Shanahan as a play caller and play designer. Uh, let's get into the week nine slate right now. The quarterbacks at the top of our rankings, we have Russell Wilson playing at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Deshaun Watson playing in the London game against the divisional rival Jacksonville Jaguars, and then Dak Prescott uh, playing on Monday night football against the Giants in New York. Uh, I know it is early in the week tags, but uh, do those three guys seem like the guys who should be in the top three for you? Is there anyone else you would put in that tier? Yeah, I think Matthew Stafford should definitely be in that tier. Uh, Stafford is a guy that you should trust. Like, I, I've actually moved him up my rankings, too. He's another guy that I probably should have mentioned. Uh, he's just, I mean, he already had his bye week, but he's second in the league in touchdowns right now, uh, right behind Russell Wilson. So uh, Matthew Stafford's playing well. They don't have a ground game. We, they don't even know who their running back is. You know, we might hear breaking news as we're recording this uh, that they've, they've gotten a running back. Uh, we don't know. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think Deshaun Watson belongs in this conversation this week. You know, he's someone that, to me, like looking at it in his career against Jacksonville, he just 
hasn't played very well. And like looking at the splits over his career where he hasn't played without Will Fuller, uh, he hasn't looked very good. And even going back to last week against the Raiders, I know that the, the end game stats look great. And he finished, I think it was the number two quarterback in the week, maybe number one. Uh, but throughout the game, it wasn't very pretty watching it throughout. And uh, the Jaguars are not like a pushover defense. Like even though they did get rid of Jalen Ramsey, they're not a pushover. I mean, outside of Patrick Mahomes throwing three touchdowns in week one, they had a weird Flacco game in between there too. But uh, Watson, he's played him four times over the course of his career. He's never thrown more than one touchdown in those games. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson, someone that's, he's, I think he might be outside my top six quarterbacks this week. Interesting take there on Watson. Sean, I want to kick it to you. What are your thoughts on Watson? You have him ranked number two. Raybon does. I do. Can you kind of give the synopsis on your thoughts early in the week on Watson? Uh, I don't have too much more to add, but, you know, um, you know, with Watson, his rushing ability is uh, there. You know, the Jaguars are, don't have Ramsey, so I'm not looking too much into his uh, previous game logs against them. You know, this is a week where um, a lot of good teams are on a bye. Falcons, Bengals, uh, Rams, and um, Saints. So that's a lot of passing firepower that's out this week. So, you know, the quarterback position's a little bit thinner this week. So, um, you know, that has nothing to do with Watson, but, you know, at the top, especially with Mahomes out, he's he's still one of the most valuable uh, QBs in my model. So um, that's that's why I have number two. Uh, Tags, I'm with you on Stafford being up there. Uh, I have him ranked number four. Chris, I believe you are low on him at number nine. We might hit on that later in the show, but uh, corner is high on him at number five. And I think like the fact that two of us have him in the top five speaks to the general weakness of this slate overall, just, you know, given some of the guys that are on by, but uh, tags, you said you are high on Matt Stafford. Who else are you relatively high on this week? Uh, I mean, Gardner Minshew is someone that you could probably plug in. Leonard Fournette just hasn't been able to get it done on the goal line. He, I know he has one touchdown and, and he's got like, I, I think over a thousand fifty yards now. And it's just, it's, it's madness. I started looking over it like the, the, like the pure insanity that he has one touchdown is just crazy. Uh, he should have had two, like they, they whistled the play dead last week. It was just a really weird play. Uh, but he, Houston losing J.J. Watt uh, up front. This is a defense that uh, they might be without Jonathan Joseph. They might be without Bradley Roby. Lonnie Johnson got hurt last week. So, like, legitimately, they're on third-string cornerbacks in the secondary. D.J. Chark, Chris Conley, D.D. Westbrook, we don't know if he makes the trip or not. But Gardner Minshew has shown a solid floor uh, in fantasy leagues this year. I know they're going out to London, and there's a lot of variables when it comes to that. And that's another reason I'm kind of worried about Watson is just everybody handles London a little bit differently. It's obviously, you know, on a field that I think this one's being played at Wembley Stadium. It's been somewhat of a messier field, and that's where I worry. It's like, I know the Jaguars have been over there before. This defense specifically has been over there, uh, but we haven't seen Watson. So it's like trying to figure out all the intricacies and all the you know the the variables that go into London that's my concern there but Houston has been a team that you just kind of attack with quarterbacks so Minshew is a guy that's high uh, and then Jameis Winston Jameis Winston's another guy that uh, that game has the highest over under on the slate uh, I, I posted a tweet earlier today uh, talking about the quarterbacks that Seattle has played the quarterbacks that uh, that the Bucks have played and it's just like it's, it's nonstop bad. I think Lamar Jackson was the only quarterback in there that you're really concerned about, and he's not actually like a pocket passer or anything like that. So Winston is a guy that I would actually debate playing over someone like Deshaun Watson this week. All right, it's interesting you mentioned uh, Minshew there going against the very depleted Texans secondary. Uh, they might be without all three of their starting cornerbacks, so a uh, significant uh, edge there that could be had. Sean, you are relatively high on Derek Carr. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so this one surprised me, uh, even me. Like, you know, I did my initial projections and he was in uh, my top 12. So he's he's my top streamer this week. And, you know, I teed up earlier. This is a week where we're missing quite a few QB1s. So that's that's part of it. But, you know, he's strung together a couple of good games in a row, back-to-back games of 285 yards or more and two-plus touchdowns. Um, and he gets a Lions defense that has been torched the past couple of games. So I like him this week. The, the team total for the Raiders is three points higher than the Pats. This is actually the second highest uh, game total of the week. So this this Raiders uh, Lions games, you know, just fancy goodness. So uh, a rare time you're going to hear me touting Derek Carr, but if there were going to be a week, it'd be this week. Yeah, corner. Uh, embarrassingly enough, I'm actually with you on the Derek Carr wagon. You and I both have him as the number one DraftKings quarterback in our models uh, at Fantasy Labs. Something to look at further for people who are uh, interested in the DFS streets. Raybon, you are relatively high on Philip Rivers. What are your thoughts there? Well, they fired their offensive coordinator, Ken Wisenhunt. Uh, I think that's probably a good thing. Um, you know, a lot of unsuccessful 
Melvin Gordon uh, just kind of running into into nowhere. And I think they'll just open it up a little bit. Now they're going they're going to face the Packers, who I think is a team that you're going to have to throw the ball against. They've started to give up yards. We saw it against Matt Moore. So it's just kind of an ugly week for quarterbacks. And after the top 12, you, you kind of look and you have Carson Wentz against Chicago. You have Jimmy G, who never has to throw the ball. You have Daniel Jones as a pretty big underdog. So I have Rivers up to number 13. Um, also high on Carr at, at number 10. I like Minshew all the way up at number seven. So um, that's that's kind of the reason that Stafford's a, a little lower. It's not really anything to do with him. There's just a couple guys, uh, Minshew, Winston, that I like uh, above him, as, as Tags mentioned. All right, Mike, who are you relatively low on this week? Kyler Murray is someone I wouldn't play this week uh, if you can help it against the 49ers. Uh, that, with the combination between his offensive line, the lack of wide receivers, you know, the lack of running back. I know they traded for Kenyon Drake, but he's going to be with the team for a couple days before they play that game. Uh, the 49ers are just playing too well right now. Kyler Murray has, I want to say he's now, it's been four of the last five games he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass. And I know that he offers some mobility on the ground, but with Bosa chasing him, it's, it's going to be ugly, man. Kyler Murray's outside my top 15 quarterbacks this week. I think I'm, I'm there with you. In fact, all of us are, are there with you that we have him outside of our top 15. As you mentioned, a very tough matchup going against uh, the 49ers on short rest. Sean, who are you relatively low on this week? So I'm pretty low on uh, Kirk Cousins. You know, he's at KC, and this is, this is assuming Mahomes is out again this week. I, I'm assuming he's out. But, you know, we've had a, a fun past few games of squeaky wheel narrative uh, coming to life with the Vikings offense. But I, I think this could be a week they could revert back to that super run-heavy offense that we saw in weeks one through four. You know, they should be in control of this game, so I'm not expecting a huge game from Cousins. And he's priced at 6700 on DraftKings. I mean, that's – let's see, he's the same price as Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford, basically. So I think people are just sort of overreacting the past few games. This sets up more as a Dalvin Cook-Alexander Madison game. I think the Chiefs have proven to be more of a run-funnel defense. And without Mahomes there – you know, the Vikings, they won't feel the need to, you know, run up the score a bit. So I think this is going to be more of a run-heavy game plan that we've seen the past few weeks from the Vikings. 100% agree with you there. Uh, Rayvon, you mentioned Stafford earlier. Is there anyone else you're relatively low on? Yeah, and I mean, Stafford, he I wouldn't say low on him. Like, I would start him, I'd play him in DFS. It's just a kind of a tier thing where he just happened to be a little lower to the bottom. But uh, Tom Brady, uh, he's my QB 12 this week. I think this Baltimore defense is a little bit scary with upgrading to Peters at corner. They're getting healthier with Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey playing well. He can move around, play inside, outside. So um, this Patriots team, not really scary with no Josh Gordon, with no Antonio Brown. You know, Muhammad Sanu, Edelman, and, and Dorsett is a top three um, you can cover those guys with those corners that Baltimore has. And I think the Patriots, they've been really getting by on short fields in their defense. They haven't put it together on offense yet. And, you know, I don't think that going to Baltimore is going to be quite that fruitful in, in fantasy for Brady. So pretty low on him and uh, Carson Wentz as well against Chicago. Carson Wentz just hasn't put numbers up this year for whatever reason. And, you know, whatever problem Chicago was having, you know, with their football team on offense, and they might give Philly some some short fields or something like that, but uh, you just can't really expect big numbers from Carson Wentz in, in a projected low-scoring game against the Chicago Bears. Yeah, Rayman, I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, with the cornerbacks that they have now, Marlon Humphrey, who is maybe the best cornerback that they have, is playing in the slot, which is right. pretty rare for a team to have its top cover guy in the slot. But uh, he could do pretty well against Julian Edelman. And then with Smith and Peters on the outside, uh, they all of a sudden look like they could have a at least the, the forming of a, a robust defense if they're all able to uh, kind of get on the same page. The guy I'm relatively low on, and Sean, this is kind of correlated with uh, your low on Kirk Cousins pick. I'm relatively low on Matt Moore. I have him ranked number 21 at Kansas City, which is a tough place to play anyway. And then the weather's starting to get colder. And that Minnesota defense is just pretty stout all the way through on, on the front line and the linebackers and the secondary. So uh, I'm just not wanting to uh, be super high on Matt Moore this week. Sean, let's uh, talk about some props. And specifically, I should mention that uh, it's early in the week. So we're kind of using this exercise to think about the lines we want to be looking at, uh, where we want to have guys projected. People should check out the prop tool once props are released uh, later in the week. Right now, the uh, props that we've had this season with a bet quality of 10 have a 60% win rate. So pretty good. Sean, hit us with the props. 
So for QB, I wanted to hit on uh, Lamar Jackson, his passing and rushing yard prop. You know, this is a tough test for him, and I'm already getting sit-start questions involving Lamar Jackson. I just think people still underappreciate rushing yards in terms of fantasy, so I'm still getting him around my top five. Um, but my, my passing yards projection, um, I have him at, um, let me see, 188.5. Curious if you guys are over or under that. I'd probably just go under. I can't imagine that they're going to come out of this like bye week, the Ravens, and just say that we're going to attack anything through the air. I think they want to keep it on the ground. They'll probably try and pound the ball a little bit with Ingram and uh, design runs for Lamar Jackson because like he hasn't looked great as a passer. If you take out that that Miami game at the start of the year, his his passing numbers are brutal, like legitimate, like terrible. And I know that uh, Marquise Brown should probably be back. But we don't know how healthy he is coming off that foot injury. He had surgery this offseason. Mark Andrews dropping a couple balls. He's been dealing with injuries all year. I, I just feel like it wouldn't be smart of the Ravens to go toe-to-toe with the Patriots. It's more like, let's play keep away from that offense. Uh, let's not turn the ball over. And by, to do that, you definitely want to keep the ball on the ground. So I'll say under. I was going to say over just more because, you know, yards is, are not necessarily always correlated to success. Um, sometimes you play a tough defense uh, or just a good team and you just have to throw the football. So that's my kind of angle with it. I think the Patriots, first of all, they've faced just a hilariously poor <laughs> slate of quarterbacks. Now I think they can turn Lamar Jackson over. I don't doubt that. I, I think that his splits versus, I think it's something like when he doesn't play like a top uh, half defense in DVOA, uh, when he or when he plays a, a when he doesn't play a bottom half defense in DVOA, his his numbers are just night and day. So I, I totally agree, but I think the yards will be there because I think um, you know, Baltimore going against a good football team, uh, the Patriots going to kind of make him throw. I think they, they they could do things with their defense to kind of make him stay in the pocket um, if they want him to. I think the yards will go over. That doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think he'll throw. You know, let's say three picks or something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, I think 188 is a a decent bar to uh, low, decently low bar to clear against uh, a, a battle in a battle of two good teams. I agree with Raybon. Uh, I would take the over here pretty easily, but I think it will be one of those nasty situations where uh, he doesn't have like even a hundred yards within the first three quarters, and then he gets like <laughs> the bulk of his passing yardage in the fourth quarter in desperation mode. <laughs> yeah, Mark Andrews finally catches the ball. The, I think the most important projection though is his rushing yards. So real quick, um, I have his uh, over under at seventy one and a half. I'm going to go under on that one. And that's just because, again, I think the Patriots, like if there's any defense that can kind of manipulate quarterbacks into doing what they want them to do, I think it's the Patriots. They might switch it up a little. Usually they play a ton of man. They'll do some things to try to keep Jackson in the pocket. They'll treat that as like the number one thing they want to stop, which is his rushing ability. Um, So I'm going to go slightly under there. I'll go over. Obviously, if I said under in the passing, I I anticipate a lot of rushing. So I'm going to say over. And I am going under. But I think that's a pretty close line. Lamar Jackson, kind of regardless of what happens in this game, and I think it will be a tough matchup for him going against Bill Belichick. Belichick going against a guy who can't throw the ball well, that seems like Belichick's dream. But uh, Lamar Jackson is playing pretty well with a lot of swag right now, the number one fantasy quarterback for the season. And speaking of swag, lots of people have inquired about how to get some Action Network swaggery. So here are the details. If you want a free Action Network hoodie, we are running a contest. Leave the show an Apple Podcast review. It's easy. You can do it from your phone. End your review with your favorite NFL Week 9 underdog and your Twitter handle, and then we will reach out to the winner on Monday. Let's talk about running backs. The guys at the top of our board right now, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley. Mike, what are your thoughts on those top three? Is there someone else that you think uh, should be in there? I'm not going to argue with those picks. Uh, those are all great ones to have up there. McCaffrey is like, it's, it's almost like Kevin Costner in the movie Draft Day where you just put number, like Christian McCaffrey, number one, no matter what, like in your lineup, no matter what. In DFS, like that's like a rule of mine now. It's like, I, I refuse to fade the guy. Like uh, it's been over like a full 16 game season now. And I think he's finished as a top eight running back in like 14 of 16 games. It's just stupid, man. He, <laughs> they pulled him out of the game last week and he still hit value. So even though DraftKings has pumped him up to 10K, I'm probably still going to try and find a way to get him in my lineup. Uh, but one player that I would say that is in the fringe of that elite conversation this week uh, is Josh Jacobs. Uh, he's been getting a lot more work in the passing game. We knew he was questionable uh, last week. The um, There's been a ton of touches available against the Lions. They've really struggled against running backs. Uh, they've allowed at least um, 
uh, one running back to score 20 plus PPR points in six of seven games this year. We expect this one to be higher scoring. Uh, the Lions are, you know, the Lions opponents are averaging, I think it's like 69.7 plays per game. Uh, so there's like not much to dislike about Josh Jacobs. I mean, uh, Again, if he's involved in the passing game, like he's he's starting to be involved in that passing game, uh, I don't think there's much to dislike about him. All right, so you're relatively high on Josh Jacobs. Sean, who are you relatively high on? So, uh, I mean, this isn't really that bold of a call or anything, but Aaron Jones, um, he's the top of our labs models right now in plus minus, and that's just because his price, he's 7K, um, and that's, you know, he's probably like the eighth uh, most expensive running back. So I think he's he's going to be pretty chalky this week. Um, you know, DK is a full point PPR and, you know, we've seen Aaron Jones excel in the passing game now. Uh, I think it's five straight games now with uh, four plus catches. So he's, he's going to be pretty chalky this week. I'm high on him. And the, the guy that's a little more under the radar I like is Royce Freeman um, at 4,900. You know, he's, he's basically been in a 50, 50 split uh, with Phil Lindsay all year, but um, you know, this is back to back games now where he's seen uh, two short range touchdowns. It makes more sense to have him as the goal line back. So I think he has that touchdown upside. Um, he's been the preferred pass catching back. I think this week, um, you know, with Allen at QB, they, they should be in more of a trailing game script. So I think this game sets up better for Freeman. So, so I like him at under 5K right now. Rayvon, I believe that you are also relatively high on Aaron Jones. Who else do you like at the position? Yeah, Aaron Jones is more, like Sean said, uh, just a great value there. I also like Nick Chubb in that same price range in DFS. The Broncos kind of setting up as a little bit of a run funnel. They're number five in DVOA against the pass on defense, but number 14 against the run. And Chubb has just been uh, monstrous every game with, with, a, with a super high floor in terms of his rushing uh, yardage. You know, we saw him even, you know, get, get, get to good numbers last week despite, you know, a couple of early – uh, miscues, fump, charge fumbles and whatnot. So I like him. Uh, and going down the, the price range a little more, uh, a guy that people might be a little bit more unsure of, Mark Walton for the Miami Dolphins. Now, I thought it was interesting because the whole year they've been using a three-man committee. Then when Kenyon Drake didn't travel with the team, I thought maybe uh, Miles Gaskin, their, their late-round pick this year, uh, you know, would kind of factor in as that number three. Uh, but he had he was a healthy scratch yet again. Uh, Patrick Laird, he's more of a special teamer, but he also plays running back. He's been active. Uh, so if that is the 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 kind of roster uh, construction going forward with with Gaskin inactive again, I think that sets up Walton for sixty to seventy percent of the carries, which would then put him on, in line for about fifteen to eighteen touches. So at, at forty five hundred, I'm really going to be looking out for those uh, inactives because I think if, if Gaskin's inactive, Walton he's more of a, a solid value that you know could have Ty Johnson problems. All right, I'm with you guys on Aaron Jones, uh, pretty obvious. And one thing that is, I think, really uh, positive about his recent usage is that he's contributing much more as a receiver. Uh, and so as long as he continues to do that, and they're using him inventively, uh, kind of moving him around the formation, as long as he continues to, uh, to function in that way, I think it gives him a really high floor that he was lacking previously. Uh, so that is good to see. Tags, who are you relatively low on at the position? I'm not willing to go in on, uh, I know some people are going to be like Damian Williams. You know, he's now the starting running back because McCoy fumbled. I'm not willing to go there. The Vikings are a tough matchup. It's a weird week because I don't want to say that I'm too low on someone just because like four teams on by and like a lot of significant running backs. Like we're looking at guys that are in the RB2, RB3 conversation that you're like, I really don't want to tell people to start him. But at the same time, it's like, I think Miles Sanders is someone that I would say do not play. Uh, I know that he cleared the, the whole shoulder injury thing, but it seems like the team is just not giving him the snaps that he needs to to do much. He basically needs a splash play in order to hit value, and the Bears have been relatively good against pass-catching running backs. Where they've struggled is up the middle, and that's where Jordan Howard's probably going to do the damage this week. Obviously, the whole revenge game narrative. But uh, without Akeem Hicks up the middle of the field, the Bears defense has allowed, I think, six rushing touchdowns over the last three weeks, uh, or three games, I should say. And uh, in the previous 20 games before that happened, they had, they had allowed five touchdown, five rushing touchdowns that entire time. So the loss of Akeem Hicks is real, and I expect the Jordan Howard, this is to be a heavy Jordan Howard game in Philadelphia. So Miles Sanders is someone that if you could bench him, I would suggest doing it. All right, Sean, you are, uh, as you mentioned, relatively high on Aaron Jones. I think that means in some ways that you are probably lower on Jamal Williams. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, that's correct. And right now the DK pricing looks pretty good. There's not really many guys that I think are overpriced. Um, and, you know, with the trade deadline, you know, happening right now, uh, we're going to see some value plays likely pop up. But, you know, Jamal Williams at 5,900, he's a guy where, um, you know, he's benefited from some touchdown luck past couple of games. 
Um, he has three touchdowns the past two games, but he's only been averaging 8.5 uh, touches. So, um, you know, any given week, if, if he doesn't score, he's going to, you know, leave you holding the bag and not really give you many yards. Um, so at 5,900, he's in the same price range as guys like Josh Jacobs, Marlon Mack, and he's actually more expensive than Derrick Henry. So just right now, he's a full-on fade for me, especially when you're going to have um, value plays pop up. There's absolutely no reason to spend up for Jamal Williams, who's, who's due for some touchdown regression. Raybon, who are you relatively low on? Uh, one, one that stands out is Mark Ingram. Um, he's just more in the, in the 20s for me at running back. Um, I think he's probably going to end up in the teens uh, in ECR, but just not really um, trying to attack New England with, with running backs in this situation. Um, his, his usage hasn't been quite high enough as a feature back to where um, I'm, not, I'm not worried about like Gus Edwards or Justice Hill being in at the, at the wrong time and kind of taking a touchdown away. Um, and New England, just a tough matchup where Baltimore could kind of see um, some game script where they have to throw. If they do have to throw, uh, you know, Ingram really hasn't been getting a high percentage. It's been getting single-digit percentage uh, of the team targets, which is not something I want to see when the team is, is in a tough matchup. And, and LaShawn McCoy is another one. You know, what you usually see is target shares for running backs and wide receivers correlated. And um, as in when teams are struggling to get the ball out wide, uh, they kind of have to dump it off to their running backs more. Tight ends aren't usually as affected as much. Um, the, the, so with Kansas City's receivers getting healthier, now, you're, now you have Watkins back in the lineup playing a full complement of snaps. You have Tyreek Hill back. Um, and, you, of course, you have, you know, Robinson, Hardman, all those guys that they want to get in. Uh, I think you're going to see the running back uh, target shares dip. And I think you're already kind of seeing that a little bit with Damian Williams not being quite as featured um, either, even though he seems to be healthy. Um, and I think that's a trend that's going to continue going forward. And McCoy mentioned the fumble. Um, just kind of lost in this three-way committee where even Darrell Williams could come in and, and steal a goal line look so um not very high mccoy going up against a good defense with uncertain uh pass game usage all right one guy i'm relatively low on is uh probably not a surprise here melvin gordon um i just whatever the market is going to be on him i'm just going to automatically adjust him five spots down i just so wherever (laughs) we settle on on sunday morning i'm just going to go in and automatically move him lower Uh, I want to be fully fading him. 2.6 yards per carry, 2.3 yards per target. Straight trash. And I think it's not going to get any better now with the firing of Ken Wisenhunt. I think they're going to start to transition back a little bit more to Austin Eckler. What do you have as your projected carry share for him right now? Because he came up really high in my model too, and I was not comfortable. (laughs) I think he came up like number 11, and I like adjusted him down a little bit. But like, what do you have? Because like he was getting like 70% of the carries under Wisenhunt, but now, yeah, I guess you could say that you, you kind of have, maybe you could kind of go kind of put it more 50, 50 with the new OC. I think he's still probably going to be getting 60% at least, but so that's, that's still high, but I, I don't care. He's just been so inefficient. <laughs> this offense is just in such disarray that uh, I'm assuming somehow, even with opportunities, he's going to fail. <laughs> just, I just, I'm just looking for a way to like adjust him down because you know I, I'm with you. Like I just, I don't like how much he's popping, but there's only so many places that I can put those yards and and touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. assuming that yards and touchdowns have to be gotten within that <laughs> offense, and that's not the case. Uh, true. All right. Speaking of touchdowns, Sean, give us the prop for this week. Will Leonard Fournette score a touchdown this week? Um, last week in my tears piece, I, I called him. He's basically Ezekiel Elliott without the touchdowns. I mean, it's a shame that he's seeing such massive volume and he just can't find the end zone. So my model this week has him at a 50-50 chance to score a touchdown. So I want to hear what your guys' thoughts on it. I'm going to go with yes, just because regression to the mean is always what I'm betting on. I'm just too level-headed to, to continue to say that he's not going to score. Uh, like, after losing Jadavian Clowney this offseason, we knew that the Texans' run defense would be a little bit uh, you know, a, a little bit better of a matchup, and they're allowing over four yards per carry this year. Now losing J.J. Watt, that's secondary with the way that it is, you know, the, the weapons that they have to stretch the field there in Jacksonville. I'm going to bet on Leonard Fournette scoring this game. That is, that is nuts that you have him at 50-50. I have him exactly 50-50 odds as well. Um, but yeah, I'll go over because I feel like out to London, it, people are going to start talking about it more and more and, and dudes, they have to have these celebrations. Like I remember Gronk had like the little, what was it? The little, uh, uh, the guard, the, the little guard <laughs> robot thing that he did. So like, I feel like we're, Fournette has a celebration just queued up and they're going to try to get him <laughs> in the end zone this week. 
A couple of weeks ago, I sent a message to our editor at Action Network, Scott Miller, asking if I could describe Leonard Fournette production as chode-like. And he said I should probably try to think of another way of describing it. But I I think that it is rather chode-like right now with the uh, thousand yards from scrimmage and one touchdown. But I think eventually it will become a, a little more Roman-like uh, in its robustness with some more touchdowns to balance everything out. So I am going to uh, go with the regression front on this and predict a touchdown for him. I think he might even get like two touchdowns. Like I, I think there just might be mm-hmm. like an ejaculation of scoring. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Bang. Oh, what did I agree to? Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, let's talk about some wide receivers. At the top of the rankings, we have DeAndre Hopkins in that London game going against the Jags, Chris Godwin playing in Seattle, and then on the other side, Tyler Lockett going against the Buccaneers. Tags, there are a number of guys I think who could kind of be in that that top tier. Who do you have right now uh, in your personal top three? That's the exact three I have in mind right now. I have DJ Chark actually like moving moving up higher and higher. And it's like, I haven't gotten through all the games. So the way that I do my rankings is when I go through them, I, I kind of slot the players in as I write up the games. I still have three games to write up and I have DJ Chark as a top six wide receiver right now. And it's like waiting for him to keep to lower down, but I just haven't gotten there yet. The matchup is just so good against Houston, seeing him back, getting back in the double digit targets, knowing that D.D. Westbrook might not play in this game. Uh, there's just like a lot of reasons to like DJ Chark. But uh, one player that I, I did want to mention that I'm, I'm high on this week is DK Metcalf. Uh, I know he scored two touchdowns last week, and you know we were all waiting for that regression to kick in because he was another guy. The air yards were there. The opportunity with Russell Wilson was there. Uh, we knew that the Atlanta matchup was good, but the touchdowns that he got weren't necessarily like regression. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, that's what we were waiting for. It was more like Atlanta Falcons just screwed up. Like they weren't ready on the one play. So Russell Wilson snapped the ball and just tossed it to Metcalf. And on the other one, they like just forgot to cover him. So it's like DK Metcalf is still has a chance to touchdowns this week against the Bucks. Uh, they're a team that plays, they play sides. So basically you can pick the matchups you want. DK Metcalf runs uh, over 60% of his routes on the left side of the formation, which means he's going to see former first round bust Vernon Hargraves in coverage. That guy allows over a, seven, or a 70% catch rate over the course of his career for nearly 14 yards per reception. I mean, there's there's really not much to dislike about this matchup for DK. I haven't I haven't ranked as a top twenty five play. Uh, by former first round bust, are you implying that he is no longer a bust? Um, well, former first round pick, <laughs> current bust. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's still I'm a just bust. making sure, just making sure <laughs> we're on the same page here. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a, f- a few things there. Uh, tags. I'm I'm with you on uh, Shark. I had him as. I believe in my first kind of go around of projections, I had him at number four and I felt like, no, that's too high. That's so I, I, bumped, field, right? I bumped him down to number six, but I, I still feel like I'm being aggressive there, but that's just kind of where he slots in. And then uh, DK Metcalf, yeah, leads the league in end zone targets. So uh, definite opportunities for him to score touchdowns. And on, on Hargraves, the thing that's interesting about him is just last week, uh, the Bucks in three wide sets started moving him into the slot a little bit. So, like, there's the opportunity that he could get banged both by Metcalf, Metcalf and Lockett uh, in the, this <laughs> game. So Talk could, about ejaculation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rayvon, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. You're just going too far. <laughs> uh, I, we that wasn't a, a, I'm just talking about him, you know, getting beat on the football field. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> gotcha. uh, Sean. Uh, who are you relatively high on this week? So last week I was I was calling Mike Williams a buy low candidate, um, and sure enough, he dropped another touchdown. Um, you know, he's still scoreless on the game. Uh, he's still scoreless on the air. Um, and one thing I want to point out is when I say, guys, you know, he's a buy low candidate, if he doesn't pan out the very next game, it's not like, okay, well, never mind. Um, so I'm doubling down on Mike Williams because this happened before. You know, I wrote up uh, after Aaron Jones – uh, for rushing touchdown game that time to buy low on Aaron Rodgers is now. And then sure enough, two games later, he erupted for 400 yards and five touchdowns. Then I said, um, you know, Will Fuller, the time to buy low is right now. 
Um, and then two games later, he erupted for three touchdowns. And then last week, I doubled down on David Montgomery, and he had a breakout game. So I'm sticking with Mike Williams. So this this whole two – it takes two games for the Bilo candidate to break out. Uh, narrative's gone for him. Uh, I think the offensive coordinator change might help him. Who knows? But, um, you know, he's too cheap at 4,600. What are you going to say? I feel like we just got a uh, – like a, a summary of your mentions on Twitter for like the past month of like, I said this, it didn't happen, so I doubled down again. <laughs> it's just the uh, – Well, yeah, yeah. It's conscious justification. It, exactly. Yeah, I'm venting a little bit. But it, it does go to show that a buy-low candidate does not mean, you know – they have to pan out this very next week. It's more of a uh, a few week sample size we're looking at here. So I'm still sticking to Mike Williams being a good buy low guy. I just thought it was like an example of like Sean has reached such a god level in rankings that his moving at he's actually one week ahead. His move, his model is so good that it's actually too fast. Like he needs to turn it back. Like you know, yeah, turn the box back. Seriously, yeah, it's not help. <laughs> being two weeks. Um, early isn't really helping in the accuracy contest so uh, you're on to something there yeah so you were a week early on uh on mike williams there uh rayvon now is a- appropriately timing his mike williams enthusiasm <laughs> rayvon you you are high on williams this week who else are you high on so there are a few wide receivers uh particularly on DraftKings. in this you know they're below 5k and they project for 20 percent or more of the target so i think williams is kind of right there at around 20 percent uh, I think his target share this year is 18.5, so I'm high on him. But uh, Jarvis Landry, I expect him to to be heavily targeted. Um, you know, he's already above 20%. And the Browns really, I mean, with with Najoku hurt, it's it's Beckham, it's Landry, it's Chubb, and you know, whoever random fourth guy, whether it be Callaway or a tight end mixes in but Landry's gonna get a ton of targets so I think he's a great value uh anyone coming off a game against the Patriots I think that's something we need to watch for for the rest of the year because expectations are just going to be naturally lowered their season averages are going to be naturally lowered and it's just going to be kind of artificial uh deflation uh another player uh Curtis Samuel he's a player that uh projects for over 20 percent of the targets um at Friedman, I know you, you t- talked about in your co- wide receiver cornerback piece that, um, you know, he could be in for a, a little upgrade in matchup depending on the health of the, the Titans secondor- secondary and the Dory Jackson. Um, so I think he's in a good spot, especially if, it, if Jackson sits because that just uh, decreases the speed uh, in, in that secondary, which is a, a plus for Samuel. So um, Landry, Samuel, Mike Williams, three guys under 5K who uh, like the target share. Uh, I like it. One guy I'm relatively high on, uh, Mike Evans. I have him at number three. I mean, my in my first pass of projections, I had Godwin and Evans at number one and two. And I was like, no, I can't do this. But, um, I mean, Evans is number one in the league in air yards and yards after the catch combined per game, um, which uh, is pretty correlated with uh, receiving production. So uh, just still pretty bullish on him. And what he was doing last week, uh, just on the contested – the contested catches, uh, bailing out Jameis Winston. I think he's just playing at a near elite level right now. Bro, you got to just trust your model, man. I feel like every time I try to go against my model, like, and like, I'm like, I can't have this. It's like the exact opposite thing that I adjust for. Like last week, <laughs> like you wouldn't believe this, but Matt Schaub was popping as number 12 in my model. And like, I actually had him sitting there in the Action Network rankings at 12 for like a good part of the week. And then like, I manually adjusted him down to like 18. And then he threw for like 450 yards. And I was like, I'm an idiot. Classic. <laughs> well, hey, you, you were still uh, number two in Fantasy Pros ranking. which is, That's probably uh, the only one that had Matt Schaub higher than 25th. Right. That's yeah. all Schaub. Thanks, yeah. Matty. Yeah. Thanks, Matty boy. Yeah. Uh, okay, Tags, who are you relatively low on this week? Uh, Odell Beckham. He was a guy that, I mean, like last week, obviously he had the Patriots, but uh, I talked about him being a sell candidate before that game because I knew his upcoming schedule against the Patriots. And now I should put a disclaimer here. Uh, this is pending uh, Chris Harris not being traded uh, right. because if, if Chris Harris is still there, the number one receivers he's shadowed now is Allen Robinson, four catches, 41 yards. Devontae Adams, four catches, 56 yards. DJ Chark, four catches, 44 yards. Uh, Mike, well, uh, Keenan Allen, four catches, 18 yards. Corey Davis, well, I don't want to talk about Corey Davis, but Tyreek Hill, three <laughs> catches, 74 yards. T.Y. Hilton, two catches, 54 yards. Like, yeah. there's a trend here. Like, there's, it's very rare that I find a cornerback that I'm worried about with Odell Beckham or, like, an elite-level wide receiver that gets targeted. But knowing that the chemistry hasn't been there between him and Mayfield and combined with the fact that Chris Harris is, like, legitimately one of the guys you try and avoid, yeah, I'm low on him this week. Yeah, uh, I, I think great call there. Uh, Sean, who are you relatively low on? 
Um, so Terry McLaurin's 6,200 on DraftKings this week. And, you know, talent-wise, he's worth that price. But um, right now, especially at Buffalo, it could be a weather game. Um, he's a complete fade for me. Um, having said that, after the Week 10 buy, their schedule does open up. So he'll be a good buy-low candidate um, then. Uh, and then the other guy, it pains me to say this because I'm so high on Carr this week, but Terrell Williams. You know, obviously he's the number one wide receiver in this offense, but Carr does like to spread the ball. And now that Tyrell is back from his injury, he scored a touchdown again last week. So one of these weeks I'm going to look like a genius by saying that Tyrell Williams will not score in every game that he plays. When it does happen, when he doesn't score a touchdown, you know, he's not going to really give you the receptions or yards to put up a, a useful score. So um, I'm fading him this week. When it, when it comes to Carr, I think I'm going to be stacking him mostly with Darren Waller this week um, and fading Tyrell Williams. Um, just like, like I said, you know, he, he doesn't get that much um, targets to, you know, warrant, you know, seeing a touchdown every game. So I'm expecting some regression there. Raymond, who are you low on? I think the guy that stands out, and it's kind of tough looking for guys low um, that I'm low on um, at this point anyway, but Cortland Sutton, he kind of struggled last season when he was ascended to the number one receiver. He actually was a little better when, uh, you know, he was the number two and he had guys taking coverage off of him. Now he's got Brandon Allen at, at QB where I know everyone's going to make the jokes about Flacco and, you know, any anybody else is an upgrade. But this Brandon Allen guy, you know, I was looking back at his preseason numbers and they his preseason numbers look like like if you like over his career look still like bad NFL starter numbers which is always a red flag for me so I don't think things are going to get better in Denver and you know combined with the fact that he's just struggled a bit with 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 coverage uh, I think that you know 5,800 mentioned there's a lot of guys in the four thousands that uh, project for similar target shares 20 percent plus Uh, Sutton's probably a guy that I'll fade that I think uh, maybe relatively popular uh, otherwise. Okay, I just have to say that within the podcast, there's like this game that's going back and forth, you know, and this happens every week. Uh, someone says, they, they name a player, and it's the player that Sean is going to give a prop on later. And so whenever someone says that they're high or low on this player, Sean gets oh. this smile on his face because I know he's going to manually adjust the line that he was going to give. <laughs> and so now I don't know if Raybon, so Raybon mentioned Sutton, Sean is going to give a prop on court. Portland Sutton. Now I don't know if Raybon is just mentioning Sutton to try to get <laughs> oh. to move the line a little bit. Yeah, I wish I was being that sharp, but honestly, I just I put in the guys I was high in at like nine or ten this morning. All right, Sean, give us the <laughs> Cortland Sutton uh, inflated so, line. No, I'm deflating it. Uh, no, I'm going to keep it the same because uh, you know Raybon's right. I, I went back and I looked at Brand Elms some of his preseason starts, and you know the Rams. They didn't give him any stars to work with. I mean, they have him throwing to JoJo Nats and Bad Mike Thomas and Nassima Webster against first-string defenses. So he's bad, but I think, you know, Cortland Sutton's so good that uh, I don't think it's going to impact him too much. So I'm sticking with this prop of uh, 71.5 uh, receiving yards. Under. Under. Yeah, uh, I have it right around there. And actually, like, my number is a little bit higher, but I'm going to take the under just because I, I feel <laughs> like I'm too high on it. And, I, and, like, I know where I am in my projection process that I haven't accurately accounted for the, the drop-off. Yeah, I mean, I think, if anything, they might be a little more aggressive. I mean, he made some dumb decisions. Like, he'll throw a backhanded, you know, left-handed pass 10 yards up in the air or something. And that, you know, that hurts the Broncos in real life. But a guy like Sutton – I think if they if they just press the issue, it could only help them. So um, we'll see. Denzel Ward and like everyone's healthy for uh, Cleveland though. That's what, like that's what kind of worries yeah. me. They could they could try to just. I mean, it's just like who else are you worried about at this point on the Broncos to where you don't double triple? Yeah, Sutton. That's, true. That's true. That's kind of my concern. But I mean, yeah, he's he's but, been living on just big plays because there have been a couple of games where he's like, oh, he has a bad matchup, and then he just hits like a sixty yard play. So I think yeah, that's, it's one of those where it's like it's either way over. Or it's probably way under. That, that's what I'm saying. If he throws three interceptions and you're a Sutton owner, you don't really care as long as he's, you know, forcing yeah. the ball to him and stuff. So that's that, that's where I think people kind of confuse real life value with fancy. I think it could still pan out. All right, let's talk about the tight ends. The guys at the top of our rankings right now, George Kittle on Thursday night football at Arizona, Travis Kelsey going against the Vikings, and then Darren Waller going against the Detroit Lions. Mike, does that seem like the top tier for you? 
early in the week. Yeah, they're, they're always going to be a top, uh, like Zach Ertz would probably be in that conversation if he, you know, started producing with the targets he got. But he has a tough matchup against Chicago this week. So, yeah, those are the guys that I would have at top of my list for sure. One of the guys I'm higher on is uh, Jonu Smith. I'm assuming that Delaney Walker is going to miss this game. I'm assuming that Delaney Walker might not even play the rest of the year. Uh, the injury that he's dealing with is uh, in relation to the broken ankle that he had last year. And uh, that was that had some ligament damage. I don't think he's playing. Uh, Jonu Smith, first game with Ryan Tannehill, saw seven targets, uh, caught six of them for 78 yards and a score. And I know that some people are going to say, well, you know, it, it, it was the Bucks. But truth be told, the, the Panthers have actually allowed more uh, production on a per-target basis than the Bucks have this year. The Panthers have been traditionally bad against tight ends under Ron Rivera. So I find no reason to fade Jonu Smith this week. And, uh, yeah, he's in my top ten tight ends. All right, Sean, who are you relatively high on? Um, so sticking with the Broncos, I'm going to say Noah Fant. Uh, just as the – 3K tight end flyer of the week for me. Um, it sounds like Jeff Hurman could miss week nine, so um, that's going to open up even more opportunity for Fant. But, you know, like I said, um, you know, Brandon Allen, I, I looked um, into his stats at Arkansas, and he, he heavily targeted uh, tight ends. He had uh, Hunter Henry, Jeremy Sprinkle, and A.J. Darby were beasts uh, in college. So, you know, he has a propensity to, you know, target the tight end a bit. And like Raybon mentioned, you know, Denzel Ward's back, uh, the the Browns secondary is healthy, so they they could double, triple team Sutton this week. And w- without Emmanuel Sanders there, you know, the, it's wide open. It's, who's the number two um, option in this offense? And last week, Deshaun Hamilton, I thought he might be that guy. Saw zero catches, and someone named Fred Brown uh, played <laughs> 65% of the snaps. So, you know, I just think the potential for Fant is there to see targets. Um, and at 3K, you know, in that range, you're just taking a flyer anyway. So I think he has the most upside of those guys. So he's, I, I think he's worth a flyer this week just to see how Brian Allen looks um, in his uh, start this week. I think it's hilarious that you went back to the Arkansas stats from uh, 2013 to 2015 to see how this guy targeted tight ends. uh, I feel like that's back when uh, I was playing uh, college football DFS, like in 10. So I do remember those days well, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, Hunter Henry getting it done. AJ AJ Darby was uh, a beast back then too. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Rayvon, who are you relatively high on? (laughs) Wow, those names. Uh, For me, it's, it's, I mean, again, it's pretty cut and dry over the the top eight, but I I think Tags hit on it. Uh, Jonu Smith uh, is a a guy for me um, for all those same reasons. So um, he's my TE9 right now. And then uh, Darren Fells is my TE10. So that kind of tells you what kind of tight end week it is. Um, But yeah. A guy I'm relatively high on, TJ Hawkinson, uh, going against the Raiders. And at Raymond, as you mentioned, it's just kind of like this is the tight end week that we have. So uh, Hawkinson at number 11, I think he has a lot of upside. And then going against the Raiders, uh, which have allowed the uh, third most fantasy points per game to tight ends, it's like you just it, you have to take a stand on some guy at some point. And so I, I'm on Hawkinson here. Mike, who are you relatively low on? Uh, Dallas Goddard. There's a lot of people that want to plug him into lineups right now, but it's not it's not a matchup to do that. He still is the number two tight end in terms of snaps and in terms of targets. I know the production is there, but uh, I'm I'm a better on like things flipping uh, rather quickly. But the Bears, uh, dating back to the start of last year, this is a span of 23 games. Just one tight end is top 49 yards against them, and that was George Kittle, who saw 12 targets. So no, I'm not betting on the backup tight end in the offense. I am with you there, Mike. Uh, I'm relatively low on Ertz and Goddard this week, uh, in part because of the matchup, and then also because they can just uh, kind of cannibalize each other's production, which I'm sure is going to impact the line that Sean sets for us. Noted. Uh, (laughs) Sean, who are you relatively low on? Uh, So Jimmy Graham, uh, he's 4,300 on DraftKings. um, And, you know, he's done pretty good with Devontae Adams out. uh, But with him due back this week, I think he's going to turn back into, you know, touchdown or bust type of tight end. And when when you have that um, type of tight end, you you might as well just spend down uh, 3K this week. Um, Like you guys mentioned, tight end's brutal this week. So um, you're either going to spend up on one of these 6K guys or, you know, take a flyer at 3K. But there's absolutely no reason to spend up to get Graham at 4,300 when he's he's going to revert back to being a touchdown or bust tight end. All right, Ray Bond, who are you staying away from? Jason Witten. And this might come back to haunt me against the Giants, but um, looking at Witten's game logs, in every game but the game that Amari Cooper got hurt, uh, he's gotten exactly four targets. So, you know, no more than four targets, no less than four targets. On four targets – it's tough, you know, it's touchdown or bust as it is, but, um, you know, he's kind of pretty set in stone that, you know, he's not going to be a high target upside guy. 
uh, as long as the Cowboys have their, their healthy receivers, the Giants, uh, poor secondary that um, opponents actually have been not targeting tight ends quite as heavily against the Giants, uh, presumably because they've been able to get whatever they want uh, out wide. So I think that continues. So uh, Witten, the guy, and just these older guys in general, I think we start having to think about fading them a little bit more down the stretch. So I think fading Graham is a good call. Walker, uh, maybe even Greg Olson, um, depending on, you know, how he's looking. But, um, you know, this is that time of year where these guys start to wear down. Yeah, not like I want to be the Witten truther, um, but Witten going against the Giants is, yeah, it's, uh, is it's a strong narrative street to walk down. That's, that's all I'm saying. True. Um, okay. He already got his, like, eight touchdowns against the Giants, though, in week one, didn't he? Corner, <laughs> give us this deflated Zachers line. <laughs> so the, the line I'll offer you guys is uh, 52 and a half receiving yards for Ertz. Under, over. I have him at 57. I'm going under. I'm going under. Okay. Uh, okay, let's wrap this up with some rapid fire uh, answers to the Twitter fantasy questions. First one, Mike, this is from the game script. Are you holding or selling Philip Lindsay with Brandon Allen at quarterback? Hold that defense is still good. They're gonna run. There's gonna be more run heavy now. That the defense keeps them in games. Hold, Sean. This is from Jeff Hicks. Can Fournette keep this pace up with his workload? What are your thoughts on Armstead as the handcuff? He absolutely can, but you know, with his injury prone history, uh, Armstead is a great handcuff to have in case he goes down. Raybon, this is from the FASP. Is there any chance Sam Darnold will not suck this week versus the Dolphins? Uh, there's a chance, but he's actually not popping in my model. He's still at QB 22, so uh, not excited about starting him. Mike, this is from Dusto. Is Malcolm Brown worth holding? No, the, off, the Rams offense isn't what we thought it was going to be. Sean, this is from Gary Cohen. Uh, trade targets and sells for fantasy playoffs. Well, since you're asking this, I'm guessing you're, you have a good record and you're going to make the playoffs. So I would actually, instead of just saying, you know, target – teams with an easy schedule facing the Dolphins or something, try to go after the injured players like Mahomes, David Johnson, maybe Will Fuller, um, because you can sacrifice that short-term um, sunk cost to uh, you know benefit you in weeks 14 through 16. Raybon, this is from Fantasy Freak DFS. Drake, Samuels, or Singletary this week in PPR? Uh, it's clearly Drake for me. Uh, there's kind of the there, there's the upside that Drake gets, you know, 80, 90 percent of the backfield touches because that's what Edmonds got with Johnson out. That's what Johnson was getting early in the year. So it's not a definite that he, you know, has his Miami usage where it's like around 50 percent of carries with with a, a good target share. It could be higher than that. Mike, this is from Stephen Del Hudson. Thoughts on Herndon and Jimmy Garoppolo rest of season? Jimmy Garoppolo, no, no. Uh, even in two quarterback leagues, he's a bad bad play but Chris Herndon uh yeah Sam Darnold with the the fact that he's like the literally the worst deep ball thrower in the league right now and that he has chemistry with Herndon he's had the most success over the middle of the field Herndon is someone that I'm willing to grab to to see how things pan out and it should start off well against Miami this week uh Sean last question here from Harry Ankles can you talk more about your idea for the quote-unquote low ball fantasy football league uh well that's a great question Harry Ankles yeah I mentioned this idea on Twitter you know low ball I it's not some unique um, league concept, but I thought of, you know, have a low ball league where if you get a zero, it's actually like a 20 point penalty. Um, I think that's the best way to make a true low ball league. So you're going to want guys that get low ball. You can't just play a guy that's out or inactive, um, but it forces you to play guys that will get some production, uh, but not a lot. So we've had some fun with that on Twitter the past couple weeks. Um, I've seen some people actually um, create leagues like this and have versions of it on DK. So it's, it's been fun to see. All right, Mike, what content should people check out of yours this week at Fantasy Pros? Uh, the primer uh, I write it's it's got a paragraph on every player from every game so if you if you ask me on Twitter I like I, honestly I don't get around a lot of the questions on there just because I spend you know it's over 30,000 words a week that I write uh, for that article it's free on fantasypros.com again it's the primer and it comes out on Thursday all right great piece of content there everyone be sure to follow tags on Twitter at Mike Taglier NFL Mike thanks for joining the show Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. All right, everyone, you can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore odds maker, Chris Rabon, and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. Check out the rest of our episodes and live shows this week. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get your podcast. See you again next episode. 